0: Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at TradersPointChurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in Ezra chapter four. We have begun our study through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, we took the first two chapters together, and then last week we were in chapter three, and this week studying chapter four. So, so Jeremy, as we get into chapter four, what we're going to see—we we talked a little bit about this previously, but it, but it's really going to come into play now as we get into chapter four, and that is the resistance that the people are going to face now that they're back in Jerusalem and trying to rebuild. The temple and the rest of the city as well, they're going to face some opposition from some of the people in the area to that. And that's really what we begin to see here in chapter 4. And also, as we've mentioned previously, the time frame of everything is a little bit challenging. And that's really challenging in chapter 4. And we can talk a little bit about why that is as we go through. But that's—you'll start to see names of kings pop up, and uh, you can go into a pretty deep rabbit hole trying to to figure out the progression of the kings in Persia during this time. Uh, but just keep in mind as we go through this, there's quite a bit of time that's passing in all of this. But but maybe let's just start with the opposition. That's where chapter four really begins. Is the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard what they were doing, and so? Let's just start there with the idea of these people are already facing a big enough challenge as it is rebuilding. And now here come these adversaries that are going to try and do their best to keep it all from happening.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, like you've already made mention, especially the way that Ezra chapter 4 is given to us. You know, for the most part, you have Ezra and Nehemiah given to us kind of in a narrative. I mean, Mm. it is the story of what's going on with the rebuilding of the temple and then within the book of Nehemiah with the rebuilding of the walls there are some, you know, some time movements, but for the most part, it's still a narrative. This yeah. is what's happening. This is the story that's being told. But it almost is is here in Ezra chapter four, almost a parenthetical to the narrative a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in Ezra chapter five, kind of the narrative picks back up where we were in kind of Ezra chapter three. But Ezra chapter four seems to paint a picture, no question of, of opposition, of adversaries, but almost of opposition from the very beginning to the very end, almost painting a picture that when Zerubbabel was there, there was incredible opposition. When Ezra came, there was great opposition. When Nehemiah came, there was great opposition. And almost this chapter paints the picture that throughout the entirety of the restoration process, certainly of all of the city of Jerusalem, from the very beginning to the very end of this process, there was incredible opposition, and opposition at times that came from very, very high. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the pictures we get in Ezra chapter Four. I mean, the opposition will come from the very top, even yeah. at times, from the king himself. And so I think it's an interesting, almost parenthetical, is the, maybe the best way to, to put it. You, you made mention the time frame and timeline of Ezra chapter 4 is a challenge yeah. because kind of the narrative picks back up in the next chapter, which we'll talk about next week. And, and so it's just an interesting way to kind of go about it. But it is a no question a picture of incredible opposition and adversaries against what they're trying to get done Mm -hmm. and it was the case from the very beginning really to the very end.
0: Yeah, You you make a good point. Some will even suggest that perhaps Ezra chapter 4 and particularly the letter that's sent is actually one that was sent at a much later date. You'll yeah. see that speculation out there. and That's quite possible. In, in the letter that we're going to talk about as we go, one of the reasons that people will suggest that is because it mentions that they are finishing its walls and repairing its foundations. They yeah. haven't even begun, the walls. They're, they're just barely getting started on the foundation of the temple. Even when we get into Nehemiah, some 80 years from where we are in the early stages of Ezra, Uh, The walls are still in ruins, and that's what Nehemiah really comes in to try and do is to spur the work on the walls. And so, because of that, there is some speculation. Perhaps this letter um, is just misplaced in terms of the timeline of things. That's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, That's certainly a possibility. But I think again, the, the point is not necessarily so much to get super hung up in the time frame of all of this. There's some room for that, and if you want to do that, have fun. I, I've put together my own time timeline, um, and it was a little overwhelming to try and, and do that. But I think the main point here is to look at the opposition that these people were facing and to see just how severe it was and to see just how high up the ranks it went. Right. And we're not talking about you know, just a little small-town mayor here coming out and saying, hey, stop what you're doing. I mean, this was going all the way up the ranks to the king at the time of Persia. And so these people were facing a great deal of opposition when they already had a big enough task in front of them. And it had to be so discouraging to see this opposition seemingly at every turn when what they're facing probably was overwhelming in and of itself
1: yeah and i mean and you're right i mean certainly there's a lot of speculation the time frame of everything that's happening in chapter 4 and you can get lost in that a little bit i, I was reading some things earlier where it made mention of the fact that, you know, quite possibly the people had rebuilt a big portion of the walls and even the Mm -hmm. gates, but this opposition had torn that all down again. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get to Nehemiah, I mean, he's looking back and seeing, hey, we were doing well, but that was all torn down again. And so we're we're needing to to get back at it. And, And so we can dive into all of those things. But when you do that, I think you you fall prey of maybe losing sight of you know the punch of what the chapter is and and I think for the, you know the time that we have this morning, I think you and I both agree uh, the key component is when you're trying to do something for God, you're going to come up against opposition yep. and how we handle that, how it it comes at us I mean there's several different ways yep. that this opposition comes in a few weeks from now we get into the book of Nehemiah that will, we'll have an opportunity to talk about that again when mm-hmm. it gets very specific there, mm-hmm. about the kinds of opposition that we that they came up against, and great applications for you know the similar kinds of opposition that we come up against today.
0: Yeah, one of the things that stood out to me, I think, goes along with what you just said, it, opposition, especially to Christians in our world today, and the opposition that God's people faced in this day and age, it really hasn't changed all that much, uh, because Satan fights dirty. He always has and he always will. And, and it starts that way right off the bat. You can see in the, just in the first few verses of chapter 4, these people come to him and try and make the claim like, hey, let us help you. We, we, we want to worship God too. Let us help you. We'll help you in all of this. Right? They have no interest in seeing the temple rebuilt. If they can get an end with these people, it gives them an, op- an opportunity to, to defeat them from the inside. And that's very quickly seen. Even Zerubbabel sees that very quickly. But right out of the gate, they're just they're fighting dirty. And that's what Satan does. He fights right. dirty. He doesn't care about fairness. He doesn't care about honesty. He, he wants to try and bring down and stop the work that God's people are doing any way that he can. And that's, that's what we see really in the way that Satan works throughout the Scriptures and we see his influence in the world today, that evil will try and stop the work that God has for his people to do. And evil will take any path that it can find to do that. We have to be prepared for that. It's a hard thing to do because we want to think the best of people. We want to think the best of everyone. But the truth of the matter is that Satan will do everything he can and pull out every stop to try and keep the work that God has for his people to do from happening. That's just the way it is, and we have to be prepared for that. Yeah, we know we get into the pages of the New Testament,
1: and and Jesus is clear. I mean, he's clear from the very beginning of his teaching that if you're going to be a follower of mine, with that will come some opposition. I mean, just making that decision will equate to some level of opposition. I mean, he's very, very clear about that in his teaching. And then, of course, he exemplifies that in the way that he lived. I mean, he was... was you know, certainly one that faced incredible opposition and, yeah. and, and trouble and, and obstacles. And and you see the Apostle Paul and the way that he lived his life and the teachings that he did. But, of course, even it exemplified in his life and the incredible opposition that came up against him. And when you start to expand that a little bit, it's not just in the pages of the New Testament. I mean, God, I think, is showing us that throughout his book, I mean, especially here, the picture is painted for us again. Here's people trying to do what God wants. And simply because they're trying to do what God wants, you have others that are coming up against them. And it's an example here, but it's all throughout, you know, the Bible, that when when you're trying to do what God wants, there's going to be opposition to that. And, mm-hmm. and the key is, if we know that going in, we can, number one, be prepared for it because we're not surprised. And it just, it helps knowing that that's going to happen. And knowing, of course, that, you know, as this book in Nehemiah unfolds, that ultimately, no matter the opposition, God is always there. And ultimately, his will will always be accomplished. And keeping those things in mind, I think, really makes a big difference. Yeah, it
0: stood out to me that at the beginning of chapter 4, the opposition was saying, hey, let us help you, in a sneaky sort of roundabout way. That's that's the tactic that they were taking. By the end of chapter 4... They're stopping them by force of arms yeah. in verse number 23. And, and literally, it, they spanned the spectrum in a, on how they were going to try and make these people stop what they were doing. And, you know, I think, again, we, we see that today in a variety of different ways. Sometimes the opposition may seem somewhat mild mm-hmm. at first. And there may be times, perhaps even in our lifetime, where that opposition becomes much more fierce and we have to be ready to deal with the entire spectrum of opposition that could come our way. And the, the best thing that we can do is make up our mind before that opposition becomes stopping us by force of arms that, the, <laughs> right. that we're going to do what God wants us to do, end of discussion. And we have the confidence and the faith that what God wants us to do will be accomplished regardless of what the opposition may try and do. And we see that in in the books of of Ezra and Nehemiah. I mean, spoiler alert, but the temple gets built right. and the walls get rebuilt. Right. Even at the even in the face of, I can only imagine, you know, when these people are stopping them by force of arms at the end of chapter four, I'm sure these people really didn't see a path where all of this could get done at that right. point. But yet, God had a plan for it to be accomplished. And as long as our faith stays strong with an understanding that what God wants accomplished will be accomplished, then that's going to make it much easier for us to deal with the opposition that's going to come our way. But if we try and build that faith in those moments of fierce opposition, it's going to be a lot harder for us to do. It's important for us to be proactive in that and to build that strong faith and understanding of of God prior to the opposition coming to us so that when it does, we're ready for it. Yeah, I mean, there's so many applications that we can draw
1: from the opposition that we see in Ezra 4 and the opposition that we see today. I mean, it kind of big picture kind of things, even in the very beginning of this chapter, specifically verses 4 and 5, there are three really important words, I think, that come out that really showcase what adversarial kind of opposition is designed to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was the case. So you have in verse four, two of them, the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. So there's one of those things that adversaries or oppositions looking to discourage us. And the end of verse for they trouble them in building. So now there's a, a troubling aspect to it. In the beginning of verse 5, they hired counselors against them to frustrate them. And mm-hmm. so you have this idea of discouragement and trouble and frustration. And we know even from today, right? If we find ourselves entrenched in discouragement or trouble or frustration, we're not heading in the direction that God wants us to, to head. In. We're not getting done what God wants us to get done. If I'm living a life of discouragement or I'm yeah. just frustrated all the time or I'm troubled in some way, that's when we turn it into ourselves a little bit. And so we're trying to fight against discouragement. We're kind of trying to fight against trouble. We're trying to fight against frustration. Now, what the very specifics of it and as we're for, they were being discouraged and frustrated and troubled. In a very specific way, different from us. But guess what happens today? We get discouraged. We get troubled. We get frustrated Mm -hmm. just in the same exact way. And when those things happen, our momentum and our relationship with God is suffering. And so that's why you have the encouragement, you know, you have the importance Mm -hmm. of encouragement, of lifting not just ourselves up with God and His Word, but lifting each other up Mm -hmm. because of these difficult things.
0: Yeah, and to do that together i think is a really important part of it where we we can lean on each other rely on each other during those those times to try and build each other up when we do get down and when we do get frustrated and discouraged to to know that i'm not in this alone right i've got i've got brothers and sisters who are willing to help me and i'm going to do that for them when they're the ones that are being troubled or discouraged or frustrated if we have that mindset man that 's going to make that 's going to make it much easier for us during those times to know that i 've got people around me who perhaps have been through similar things that i 've gone through, or if not they 're praying for me and they 're there for me, wanting to help in any way that they can I think that 's such such a powerful lesson. Uh, to us today, God doesn't want us to face Satan one-on-one. That's never been his design for his people. We we are not playing one-on-one with Satan. We've got an entire team behind us, not to mention the king of the world who has already defeated him. We're on the winning side. We just have to have confidence in that. We have to know that and and trust that, that, that God's side is the winning side. And so, therefore, I'm going to continue to do what I know I'm supposed to do. And I know that I've got a lot of people around me to help me during those times. That That's where so much strength can be garnered, where we, when we understand that and we're there for each other, it's just so important to, to have that family-like mentality to support each other during those
1: times. Yeah. And you know, maybe to make one more kind of generalized application as we're kind of starting into the chapter here, you know, we made mention that, you know, chapter 4 kind of paints a picture that through Zerubbabel to Ezra to Nehemiah, there was opposition all along the way. And I think that's still important for us to realize. O- opposition isn't going away. If I, yeah. if I stand up to the opposition and I, and I get done what God has in store for me— doesn't then mean I now have a reprieve from all trouble or discouragement or Mm -hmm. frustration. That's mm. going—it's a constant in the life of a Christian. That opposition is always going to be there. And I think in a lot of ways, chapter 4 kind of paints the picture that it it was always there. Once they started on the temple, didn't mean the opposition was going to go away. They were starting in the next phase, and guess what opposition was right back there, whether it was the— the foundation of the temple or rebuilding the temple itself or building up the wall to putting the gates in place. Yep. All along the way, there's opposition.
0: Yeah, and there always will be. You know, just to get into some of the specifics of the, of the chapter itself, the letter that is sent is really telling in a lot of ways, and I think it goes to some of the things we've already talked about. Because basically, at the root of the letter, the, these people are suggesting to the king that if you allow this work to continue, and the city is rebuilt, the temple is rebuilt, the walls are finished, what's gonna happen is they're gonna rebel against you. They're not gonna pay taxes to you anymore. And therefore, you shouldn't allow this to continue. One of the interesting things about that is that that is 100% a baseless accusation. Right? There, there's no evidence to suggest, in reality, that that's what's going to happen. And again, I think it just goes to show how low Satan is willing to go to try and keep this from happening. They're just going to out and out lie about it. Right. And that, I mean, we look at that and think, how could they even, how could you say something like that? They don't, it doesn't matter because they have one goal in mind, stop the work from happening. And we're willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And, and you see those, those dirty tricks like that, and you just think, man, that's not fair. It's not. not it's right. not fair. But that's what's going to happen. That's what's yeah. going to happen. They're, they're going to lie about you. They're going to say things about you that simply aren't true. And you know what? Again, like we've talked about already, we better be ready for that because that's what's going to happen. And that's what was happening here. And I can only imagine what these people must have been thinking as, you know, they got wind of what this letter said. And there was absolutely no factual information to back up the claims that were being made here.
1: Yeah, and almost what makes it worse a little bit is sprinkled in the midst of deceit for sure. Is almost the twisting of facts. I yeah. mean, they, you know, they kind of sprinkle in some things that, and I think that's what happens. The king does. He goes back in history. He's yeah, right? like, man, they, they, at one time, <laughs> now a long time ago, but one time, they were a great uh-huh. nation. One time, they were powerful. One time, their land stretched pretty far. I mean, certainly during the reign of Solomon. I yep. mean, it was a huge nation and super prosperous, and and you know, in every way. And you sprinkle in enough of that, but twisting them all along the way, and now suddenly you get, and you're exactly right, it's not fair what happens here. Mm-hmm. They're nowhere even in the same atmosphere of a nation that they were no. at the time of Solomon or at the time of David, for sure. But he, they're, you know, they're saying, listen, this is where they're going to go back to, and the whole purpose was to get them to do whatever it takes to get them to stop. Do whatever it takes to get them to stop. And they're able to, at the very highest point, the king, to get him to the point to say, hey, listen, that sounds good to me. I mean, y'all, listen, you see that. I mean, you see that in the book of... Um, Esther is another great example mm-hmm. where somebody can, you know, twist the facts of things and get a king to do whatever. And you see that in the book of Daniel, you know, with uh, Daniel's adversaries to to twist what's going on about Daniel and his loyalty to Jehovah to get the king to to end up doing something he'll regret. I mean, you see this all the time, this twisting of reality in order to oppose what God's people want to do. And certainly you see that again right here in Ezra 4.
0: Yeah, and we we have to keep in mind, again, that this is not being written to Cyrus, the one who initially allowed the people to go back. We're talking about a minimum of 15 to 20 years later, Mm -hmm. probably here, and probably two or three kings removed from Cyrus. And so these are kings and a time in which oh yeah, Cyrus did that a ways back, but you know I don't really remember. Maybe we can go back in the archives and we can figure that out or something like that. And that's what's happening here. This isn't the king that allowed them to go back. He probably had no idea why Cyrus allowed them to go back. And so again, keeping that time frame in mind, it helps us a little bit to better understand this. This is a new king with his own set of objectives. And when somebody writes to them and says as a conclusion in verse 16, we inform the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the result will be that you will have no dominion beyond the river. If that's the, if that's what this new king is hearing, his first reaction to that is going to be, I don't like that, yeah. and we're not going to let that happen. And so it's understandable uh, how this king receives this letter and comes to the conclusion that he does. It's understandable. It's the people that are back in the area that have been able to see all of this unfold. Right. And they're really able to 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 share this story in the way they want it viewed. And the king is making the conclusion that I think probably most would make. No, I don't want that to happen. This work needs to stop. And that's what's taking place here. And So it's understandable when we look at it from that perspective. But again, seeing it from the perspective of the opposition, they're the ones who are being deceitful in the way that they're presenting these facts to try and get the result that they want.
1: And they they ultimately get the result that they think they want. I mean, yeah. they think that, hey, this is going to be the key component that's going to stop what God's people are all about. But again, ultimately, uh, ultimately, we've already made mention of, I mean, hopefully we're not giving it away. I mean, the <laughs> temple gets rebuilt yeah, in the face of this opposition. The walls around the city, they get rebuilt in the face of this opposition. And so as... Big of an example that we've been talking about that, hey, listen, in the If you follow God, there's going to be opposition. I think that's exemplified and talked about throughout the Bible. At the same time, what also is exemplified and talked about throughout the Bible, that if you stay true to God Mm -hmm. in the face of opposition and difficulty, you can come out on the other side victorious. And I think that is also something that you see here in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah that continues to be exemplified on the heels of, yeah, there's going to be opposition. Mm -hmm. But if you stay true to God, you'll be able to handle that opposition and come out on the other end exactly where God wants you to be. And that's exactly what we see happening here in Ezra. And it is intense opposition. Yeah. And we'll get more detail of it in the book of Nehemiah, but you've already made mention of it, skipping down, you know, already to the end of this chapter. It is, you cause them to stop by force. I mean, by arms, you cause them to stop. And that's a pretty devastating thing to have to deal with, just simply because they're just trying to to do what God would have them
0: to do, and that's it. It's important, I think, during times like this, to remember that God's plan is, is bigger than one individual you know there were there were a lot of israelite people who died in captivity mm-hmm. who never saw the fulfillment of god's promise that his people were going to be allowed to go back and rebuild the city there were most likely people that had died in the time that when they came back to jerusalem to where we are in chapter four that never saw the temple rebuilt and all they saw was opposition but, but it's important to remember that, that God's plan is larger than any one of us. Right. And, and that may mean that we feel like we're just in the thick of it sometimes, mm-hmm. and we can't see the other side of that. That's okay, and the truth is we may not see the other side of it. But, but God has a plan for his people. He's made promises to his people, and those promises and that plan are going to be fulfilled you may not necessarily see it. That's one of the things that Hebrews chapter 11 tells us a lot about. Some of those people that are talked about there who had great faith, they, they didn't live to see the fulfillment of these things, but they had great faith in the plan of God and the promises that he had made to them. And the same thing is being seen here, and I think it's important for us today to maintain that same perspective, that, that God has a plan for us, and he has made promises to his people, and those, those promises will be fulfilled now, I may not necessarily see it. I, right. I may I may only see opposition sometimes. But I have to, to be able to take a step back and realize that his plan is bigger than me. And I have faith that things will work out the way that he wants them to work out.
1: Yeah, you made mention there of Hebrews chapter 11. And, I mean, the
0: example there, certainly the patriarchs from
1: Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph. What's made mention specifically there in Hebrews chapter 11 is, is their eye to the future. I mean, Mm -hmm. the promises that God had made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, which none of them were going to be able to see. Not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, not Joseph. None of them were gonna see the fulfillment of an incredible nation or Mm -hmm. see the fulfillment of their own land. None of them were gonna be able to see but yet that's what they stayed focused on. It mm-hmm. made mention specifically of Abraham and his being able to look beyond where he was. And and certainly even Joseph there in Hebrews 11, where all kinds of things could have been made mention of yeah. his incredible faith. It is given to us there about his bones, that his oh. bones be taken with them to the promised land. And again, you're talking about the point of he lived with that understanding that what God had said, even though I'm not physically going to be able to see it and be able to live it, I know it's going to happen. So much so where he gives those instructions, you take my bones with you to the promised land. And that would have, that's going to be taking place hundreds of years later yeah. when they take Joseph's bones. But that is the way in which he lived, to know that God's will certainly is going to get done, and his purpose is much, much bigger than my little, mm-hmm. little person and little area. And to have that kind of faith and help in the perspective that we need to deal with opposition and difficulty and trouble that we see here in
0: Ezra 4. And I imagine there were people, even during this time, who had that level of faith, who were saying, okay, you're stopping us with the force of arms. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But this temple is going to be rebuilt. It may not be by me. You could kill me. I don't know. It may not be by me, but it's going to be rebuilt. The walls of the city are going to be rebuilt. Again, maybe not by me. We'll see. But to be able to have that type of perspective uh, in the midst of this level of persecution— that's the kind of faith that God wants from us, and I think the same is true today you know we, we don't necessarily have the same types of immediate promises that the these people are 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 recognizing during this time frame, but we do have promises made to us by God, even the eternal promises that that he will take us those who are faithful he he will take us to heaven with him one day the promise that Christ will return you know maybe I'll live to see that mm mm-hmm maybe i won't right either way i believe that it will happen right and that that's what god wants from his people is is that level of confidence that says i may not see it but it's going to happen and so come what may i'll, I'll deal with it as it comes that's not going to change the faith that i have and God's fulfillment of the promises that he's made to his people. That's that's the level of faith, I think, that God really wants to see from us.
1: Yeah, and, and understanding that I, I don't need to necessarily be the one to see it is the faith that we've got to have. I mean, and demanding to see it is the selfish side of things. Right. But, you know, to have the faith, you know, that we read about there in Second Peter chapter 3, about the fact that Christ is going to come again, it's a promise that he's made. And whether people are mocking us about the fact that that hasn't happened yet or not, that doesn't change the fact that it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Now, it may be in my lifetime and I see it, or it may be long after I'm gone. I I just don't know. But that doesn't change in any way the fact that it's going to happen Mm -hmm. and the faith that I've got to have in that. And I mean, we see that in even sharing the gospel with other people. I mean, it's it's just planting the seed of the word in people. And maybe I see that take hold and bear fruit in their hearts. So Maybe I don't see that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that happens long after I'm out of their life in some way, but still that seed that was planted in there you know, still takes root. I mean, it's having the faith that God can work in the face of all of mm-hmm. this difficulty and opposition to get His will accomplished is the key. His will is that the temple be rebuilt. His will is that the walls were rebuilt. All of those things took place in the face of this incredible opposition. Yeah, well,
0: we'll go ahead and wrap things up there. Our time is about up. We want to thank you for taking some time out of your morning to study along with us through Ezra Chapter 4. Uh, we'll pick up in Chapter 5 next week. Uh, we want to encourage everyone, if you're in the area and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you come and join us. Uh, we're located on the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. And you can get all of our times of service on our website, traderspointchurch.org. We would encourage you to follow us on Facebook as well as we post uh, links to our live streams and other things uh, through our Facebook page. So we'd love for you to follow us along there at Traders Point Church of Christ. So thanks again for your time this morning. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at TradersPointChurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.